Today we're going to look at stand with humility. Stand with humility. Uh, the events in the book of Esther occurred during King Ahasuerus' reign. I'm, I'm not on any page yet. This introduction. It's going to be 105. But it'll be 105. Okay. Turn to page 105 and hold the page. Yeah. Okay, so the book of the, the events in the book of Esther took place uh, during the reign of King Ahasuerus. And he reigned from 486 to 465 BC. After Mordecai informed Esther of Haman's plot to destroy the Jews, Esther instructed her people to do a couple of things. To abstain from food and liquids for three days, that is fast for three days, foods and liquids. And after that period of fasting, she would approach the king on her people's behalf even though it could mean a life. She would do it anyway. Remember what she said last week? If I perish, I perish, right? And so Esther acted courageously, for she knew she faced the death penalty if the king did not extend the golden scepter to her. All right, she was ready to take a stand for God, regardless of the price that it might cost her. Okay, so let's look at the first question we have now on page 105. What animal would represent your typical approach to dealing with conflict? What animal would represent your typical approach to dealing with conflict? Huh? A pit bull. A pit bull? <laughs> A lamb. A lamb. Okay. <laughs> Put it the other way around. <laughs> okay, but the but the a lamb. This is when he said pit bull. <laughs> well, it can go both ways. <laughs> huh? So that's quite the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, that's very good. Contrasting opposites. Anyway. Okay, let's look at Bible meets life. Someone read that, please. It was the email I regret sending. I was seething. After a meeting where I felt my opinions were not taken seriously, I fired off an angry email to a coworker. I blasted him for what I considered to be rude behavior and demanded that he apologize. I didn't seek out advice, nor did I renew my review my words to make sure they were appropriate. I didn't even pray before hitting send. <laughs> Thankfully, the recipient of my bitter missive was far more gracious than I was, and we cleared up our differences for the most part. But the email sowed stress in our relationship that never fully recovered. Even now, years later, I cringe at the memory of sending that email in the heat of the moment. Esther faced a far more serious injustice than hurt feelings. We learned from her careful, deliberate process that fighting injustice takes wisdom, patience, and humility. Grace-filled approaches build bridges that can lead to change, but hasty moves almost always lead to worse outcomes. Okay. Yeah. Hasty moves almost always leads to what? Worse outcomes. Worse outcomes. And if I had read this particular thing, hmm. I would have said, oh. <laughs> 
Okay, now what's the point? Humility ultimately wins the day. Right, humility ultimately wins the day. So we see how important it is to be humble. Esther risked much for our people and she displayed wisdom, patience, and humility in fighting the injustice she was standing against. Often standing up for others requires a humility that can only come from where? <clears throat> from God himself. That's right. Sometimes you may not have the humility in you to stand up against an injustice, but always remember that God gives us that humility. We could always go to him for that humility to be able to stand up against any injustice uh, that comes against us. Okay, let's look at the first um, passage we have, Esther chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, on page 107. On the third day, Esther dressed in her royal clothing and stood in the inner courtyard of the palace facing it. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the royal courtroom facing its entrance. As soon as the king saw Queen Esther standing in the courtyard, she gained favor in his eyes. The king extended the gold scepter in his hand towards Esther, and she approached and touched the tip of the scepter. What is it, Queen Esther? The king asked her. Whatever you want, even to the half, even to half the kingdom will be given to you. If it pleases the king, Esther replied, may the king and Haman come today to the banquet I have prepared for them. Okay, continue reading on the paragraph. The, the king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, Whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to have the kingdom, will be done, Esther answered. No, sorry, Esther answered, This is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition and perform my request, May the king and Haman come to the banquet I will prepare for them. Tomorrow I will do what the king has asked. Continue reading. Esther made her decision. She would use whatever influence she had and approach the king about the impending genocide of her people. Esther was willing to risk her life, but she did not approach her task lightly. She and her people fasted for three days before she entered the king's presence. Esther 4, 16 to 17. Okay. Even though he was... Let's look at that verse, those verses. So gather together all the Jews, for instance, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, like what day? I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai and I went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. 
Okay, continue reading, sister. Even though he was her husband, King Harasaurus was a ruthless despot. Despot, yeah. Despot. So approaching the king surely would be have been intimidating even for Queen Esther. She showed wisdom in her approach and won over the most unlikely of converts with her humility. Perhaps she knew the wisdom of the proverb that speaks of the kind of skill that allows one to stand before kings. See Proverbs 22-29. Do you see a man who excels in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Okay. Continue. Next page. Okay. Esther didn't enter the king's presence in sackcloth and ashes. She entered wearing her finest royal apparel, fit mm -hmm. for the king. Perhaps Esther did this to remind Harathras, who hadn't seen his wife in 30 days, just how radiantly beautiful she was. Esther won over his heart, and Harasuerus granted her permission to enter his presence. Esther could have asked the king right then and there to save Israel. But Esther chose to set the perfect conditions when the king's heart was in the right place to grant her request. Why? Esther knew the value of timing and relationship building. If she rushed her request, the opportunity for justice might be lost forever. And any Jews in Susa knew what Esther was doing. They also might have questioned her actions. Why would she honor a man like Haman, who had authored their death warrant? How could she possibly honor a king who signed away their freedom? To the average Jewish, Jewish person in fear death, her actions may have seemed offensive. But Esther's approach was a wise one. Jesus would later encourage his disciple to be as shrewd as serpents and as innocent as doves, Matthew 10, 16. Doing the right thing isn't just about being right on the issue. It's about using our intellect and relational skills to achieve the maximum impact for good. It does not do our cause any good if we simply rage against evil without working to build relationships with people who can bring about change. This is true whether we are working for change in our families, churches, or communities. We can stand up for others with the same humility as Esther. She didn't insist on things being her way because she was queen. A Christian's life calls for humility, but it's not always easy. <coughs> it's easier to let our anger and pride lead the way when dealing with the problem. Humility is a beautiful thing, and it works wonderfully when our actions demonstrate it towards others. Humility doesn't back down but it takes a stand with a Christ-likeness that makes a difference. As Solomon said, a gentle answer turns away anger. Proverbs 15.1. Okay, so we notice from the first two paragraphs that we read, notice again, uh, the first two paragraphs, Esther made a decision. Okay, she was not doubtful 
uh, a situation didn't leave her debilitated. Esther made a decision she would use whatever influence she had and approach the king with the impending genocide of her people. Esther was willing to risk her life, but she did not approach her task lightly. She and her people fasted for three days before she entered the king's presence. And then even though he was a husband, King Ahasuerus was a ruthless despot, or you could say he's a ruthless rascal. So approaching the king would surely have been intimidating even for Queen Esther. She showed wisdom in her approach and won over the most unlikely of converts with her humility. What did she win him with? Humility. Her humility. Okay, perhaps she knew the wisdom of the proverb that speaks of the kind of skill that allows one to stand before kings. All right, so Esther took a tremendous stand, a tremendous risk. Uh, when we look at verse 2, uh, Esther didn't have to wait long to learn the consequences of a bold action. Okay, God moved quickly. When King Osiris received Esther's presence, she won his favor. A similar expression occurs, occurs in, appears in Esther chapter 2 verse 9 to depict Esther's favor with Hegel, keeper of the women. The Hebrews in uh, the Hebrew in chapter 5 verse 2, however, differs from that in chapter 2 verse 9. In other words, in chapter 2 verse 9, the noun expressing favor depicts such qualities as kindness, mercy, and loyalty. It directs attention to the religious emphasis in Esther. So in chapter 5 verse 2, the Hebrew can also be rendered charm. And so Esther charmed King Ahasuerus. All right, in the book of Proverbs, the woman who possesses this grace or charm, not just physical beauty, is worthy of being honored. And we see that in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 16. And so King Ahasuerus held out his, uh, held out to her his golden scepter. Uh, she didn't expect that. Remember she said, if I perish, I perish. You know, because anytime you go before the king without his invitation, that means instant death. All right, and so the king held out his scepter. This rod was the king's official staff or baton. It symbolized his authority. When a king extended his scepter to a visitor or a dignitary, it signaled his approval and allowed the individual to approach the throne of the king. Recognizing that she gained the king's approval, Esther approached his throne. Following Persian protocol, she touched the tip of a scepter. See, that's why you get a no protocol. Yeah. See all this stuff going on with the royal wedding? Yeah. You get a no protocol. Okay, there's certain protocol. They said the queen have to approve the bride's dress. Yeah. So just imagine if she pick out a dress and the queen doesn't approve it, too bad, can't wear it. Yeah. So protocol is important. Yeah. All right? Movie tonight on that. Yeah, I saw something uh, uh, advertised about that. So by touching the tip of a house receptor, by, by touching the tip of a hair scepter, Esther demonstrated that she respected 
and honored the king, even though he was a rascal. Esther had successfully passed the first danger. She leaped over the hurdle of the first danger. What could have resulted in her death had become an opportunity to help deliver her people. Now imagine if she hadn't approached the king with humility, but brassiness, like the old people like to say. Okay? She would not only lose her life, but she would also risk the lives of her people. And then when we look at verses 3 and 4, we notice that Ahasuerus recognized Esther had an important matter on her mind, or she would not have risked her life to come before him <coughs> without being invited. Alright, he recognized that. We see that in verses 3 and 4. And so he initiated the conversation by asking, What is it, Queen Esther? What can I do for you? Without giving the queen time to respond, the king continued by offering even half of the kingdom. You could tell how pleased he was, right? Remember now, he was a rascal. Okay, so this is quite, you know, out of the ordinary for a rascal. Okay, the expression evidently was a formality or an example of cultural courtesy. So he had to say it. It indicated that he favorably received Esther. Okay, he had no problems with her coming before him. It expressed the king's generosity, but was not meant to be taken literally. In other words, it was a figure of speech. All right, even though he said, whatever you want, Esther, you went to the house of the king, he didn't really mean that. All right, it was a figure of speech. And so Esther's response was, uh, was puzzling uh, to, to the king. She invited Ahasuerus and Haman to a banquet she had prepared for them that day. That was kind of surprising for him. Esther did not want to make a request there in the court, in the king's presence. In that time and culture, banquets provided a socially acceptable place for discussing, for discussing really serious issues. All right, so she didn't want to make that presentation right there in the presence of the king in the throne. She said, let's have a little social. You know, let's have a little get together. And there we could sit down socially, and that's why she, she made that, that, that offer. And so, perhaps Esther was attempting to make Ahasuerus jealous, and thus create conflict between the king and Haman. She was a smart girl. Yeah. Okay, maybe Esther had invited Haman to avoid being alone with the king. All right, because she, she knew he's a rascal, right? Possibly the king, the queen wanted to lull Haman into a false sense of security. Do you think that would have worked? Yeah, yeah. It was working. <laughs> she wanted to lull him into, and we can see that as we move on. She wanted to lull him into a false sense of security to make him think that he was favored. He was going to be honored. All right? Conceivably, Esther wanted Haman to present wanted Haman present when she accused him of selling her people out to the destruction and death. She wanted to look on his face, to see the look on his face when she accused him and, 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 and let him know that she knew what the plan was. Because remember now, Haman didn't know that Esther knew what he had planned, his plot to kill the Jews. We don't know for sure. More than one of these motives may be involved. So it could be any one of these three motives that we mentioned here. Okay, that she wanted uh, to lull him into a false sense of security, uh, that she wanted him present, 
She wanted to see the look on his face when he found out that she knew what he was planning. Okay? But we'll see as we move on uh, what will transpire. Look at uh, question number two. In what ways did Esther demonstrate courage and humility? In what ways? When she fasted. When she fasted, okay. Well, for her to have this banquet, it takes a lot of guts. Because the women in those days, I hate to say this, was not really counted only for service mm -hmm. or for pleasure. So therefore, for her to invite such high dignitaries as that, she realized what she was up against. Mm -hmm. So therefore, you have to give her credit for that. Right, okay. Well, she didn't um, demonstrate her power, her. Nope. To say she's queen. Nope. And, you know, she just was humble. Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm? Or give her wisdom and she passed. Okay, she had wisdom to, to make the pass. <laughs> okay, so we are to take initiative and act with humility, according to what Esther did. In the next verses, we will see Esther continue to do just that. So let's look at the other passage we have, uh, verses 5 to 8 of chapter 5, page 107, again. Read, uh, read uh, verses 5 to 8. She read it already. She wouldn't read it again. Yeah, go ahead, read it again. Read it again. This is 5, 5, 8, 14. No, no, no. no. 5, 5. You already read the above passage? Yeah, chapter 5, 5 to 8. 5 to 8, okay. Yeah. The king said, hurry and get Haman so we can do as Esther has requested. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. While drinking the wine, the king asked Esther, whatever you ask will be given to you. Whatever you want, even to half the kingdom will be done. Esther answered, this is my petition and my request. If I have found favor in the eyes of the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my petition, and perform my request, may the king and Haman come to the banquet I will prepare for them. Tomorrow I will do what the king has asked. Okay. Okay, now let's look at the other verse. 9 to 14. That day Haman left full of joy and in good spirits. But when Haman saw Mordecai at the king's gate, and Mordecai didn't rise or tremble in fear in his presence, Haman was filled with rage toward Mordecai. Yet Haman controlled himself and went home. He sent for his friends and his wife Zeresh to join him. Then Haman described for them his glorious wealth and his many sons. He told them all how the king had honored him and promoted him in rank over the other officials and the royal staff. What's more, Haman added, Queen Esther invited no one but me to join the king at the banquet she had prepared. I am invited again tomorrow to join her with the king. 
Still, none of this satisfies me since I see Mordecai the Jew sitting at the king's gate all the time. Go ahead. Haman presents quite a contrast to Esther's humility. You can just feel the spring in Haman's step as he bounded away from the palace. But then he walked past the king's gate and there sat Mordecai, refusing to show any respect to Haman. Haman's excitement quickly changed to rage. In this moment, verse 10 records the only positive quality we see in Haman's life. Haman controlled himself. <laughs> wow. It's important to stop and notice the continued courage of Mordecai, who still refused to stand or show fear before Haman. He didn't even tremble in the official's presence. Considering Haman's obvious ruthlessness, surely everyone else in the palace was fearful of him. Mordecai and Esther lived for something, and someone, greater than themselves. But Haman was all about Haman. Mm. He wasn't interested in using his exalted position in the Persian kingdom to serve people. He was only interested in his own power and honor. Haman lived to please himself. Mm. Even at home with family and friends, Haman bragged on himself. <laughs> Surely they had heard it all before, but Haman wriggled with the story of his newfound status and increased wealth. In Haman's mind, and in the mind of his friends and family, these facts confirmed he was on the fast track going up in the kingdom of Persia. Hmm. Today we might say, Haman is kind of a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we see something terribly sad about Haman. Despite his wealth, power, and privilege, Haman was deeply unsatisfied. His self-worship was so per pervasive that he could not find happiness until every last person acknowledged his greatness. Mordecai's refusal, refusal to bow dominated Haman's thoughts, like a pebble in his sandal, so much so that he would order gallows to be built to display his vengeance to all. We like to think we have none of Haman inside us, but the sad truth is we all tend toward selfishness and narcissism. We are all hardwired with the desire to be noticed by others. Even introverts secretly cry, look at me. It's part of our old sinful human nature to seek approval, power, wealth, and or status. We'll see in the next session that Haman's self-centered worldview was not only unsatisfying, it was disastrous. Haman presents a textbook case of the poisonous fruit of pride and bitterness. His pride eventually led to his own demise. As Solomon said, pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16:18. Haman had no idea what was about to befall him. Just because justice seemed delayed, though, doesn't mean it would be denied. God was at work. Hmm. We should learn from both examples, Esther's humility and Haman's pride. We should ask Jesus daily to remove any bitterness in our hearts, break down any tendencies toward pride and narcissism, and keep us humbly content in Him. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? 
Okay, so a couple of the points. Esther didn't enter the king's presence in sackcloth and ashes. She entered wearing her royal, finest royal apparel. Esther won the king's heart and got permission to enter his presence. Look at question number three. What are the biggest hurdles we face when it comes to nurturing humility in our lives? Biggest hurdles. Pride. Pride. Anger and pride. What those are the two that, that Haman uh, displayed most, right? Anger and pride. It said he was angry, but he, he controlled himself. The best quality to describe him was being able to control himself. But there was no other good quality in him wow. in a, at all. All right? Look at the uh, activity there on page. Uh, what page is that? 109. 109. The top right. Yeah. What is... Uh, which one of those pictures? Uh, which of the following images best pictures biblical humility to you? Top right. Top right? It's top right, right? How has your understanding of humility and application of it personally changed throughout your journey with Christ? Anyone? Notice that uh, quote from Proverbs sixteen eighteen. How many times have you seen that happen in your experience to others? A lot of times, right? Yeah, pride goes before destruction. And whenever you see it, this voice kind of jumps into your mind, right? <laughs> Whenever you see that happen, this voice always comes to mind for me. You know, uh, this fellow was, uh, was invited to a function and he, he uh, showed up in this, this snow white suit, you know, and, uh, you know, strutting like a peacock, like a broad peacock. And uh, as he was going up the stairs, he slipped. He missed his step. Fell, hit his nose, blooded up his nose. All his white suit is all bloody up. And the little old lady said, uh, you can see, he walked on, he came back down off the stairs like a dog between his tail. Like a dog with his tail between his legs. Little old lady said, if he had, if he had gone up the way he came down, he would have come down the way he gone up. <laughs> Pride goes before destruction. Okay, what else we notice there? Anything else? Okay, let's look at um, how we're going to flesh this out. Well, there were a couple of points we needed to mention with regards to uh, Haman. Question number four. Why is pride so dangerous? <laughs> It could cause your life. That's right. There are many people who exhibited pride and they're not around today to talk about it or regret it. Because pride destroyed them physically and literally. It says pride goes before destruction and destruction could be a loss of your reputation or it could be a loss of your life physically, your literal life. And as we'll see in Haman's case, it was a ladder, the loss of his life. Couple of points. Haman presents quite a contrast in Esther to Esther's humility. We notice that, right? Big contrast we see. 
Haman's pride, Esther's humility. It's important to stop and notice the continued courage of Mordecai, who still refused to stand or show fear before Haman. He didn't even tremble in Haman's presence like everybody else was. And then the other point is Mordecai and Esther lived, Esther lived for something and someone greater than themselves, but Haman is all about Haman. Haman is a me, myself, and I guy. Yeah. <laughs> Brother Randy, before you go too far there, mm. let's rewind a little bit there. The banquet, you have to give Esther credit for holding her force or not being anxious to this because of course she had a little bit of wine too. <laughs> but it didn't go to her head. <laughs> For a lot of people, they get relaxed. Mm. They say it's a lot of things that they shouldn't be saying. Because mm. so it's the wine talking. She got easy on the wine and she had patience. Mm. But she got what she wanted. So, therefore, you have to give her a lot of credit for that. Because I know that she wanted, her idea was to swing. The man who she hated. Mm -hmm. So she didn't display no hostility to him at all. Remember, and, and, and the, the pastor does say there's a little bit of Haman in every one of us. She could have displayed her Haman toward him, but she didn't. Right, so she got a big plus. Mm -hmm. So women here, not only that, mothers say that's a big thing for a woman. Okay. Another point. Another point we notice. We see Haman terribly sad about. We see something terribly sad about Haman. Despite his wealth, power, and privilege, Haman was deeply unsatisfied. So we see that all the money and the wealth and stuff in the world can't make you happy. His self-worship was so pervasive that he could not find himself happiness until every last person acknowledges greatness. Y'all could go. You think Mordecai caused <laughs> No, he didn't get what he wanted. He wanted Mordecai to bow. Mordecai could have been a cause of it. And then the final point is we should learn from both examples. Okay, we should learn from Esther's humility, and we should learn from Haman's pride. Okay, question number five, last question. What are some helpful ways you've encountered for dealing with anger and pride? Okay, you had some persons in your life, in your life at some particular point, and you had to deal with anger and pride. What are some, some of the helpful ways that you've encountered in doing that? Anybody? Just be humble. Just be humble, okay? Lord have mercy. <laughs> Lord have mercy, okay. And he will. Walk away. Walk away, okay. All right, don't, 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 uh, don't, don't, uh, don't feed it. Don't feed it. Don't feed it, okay? <laughs> don't feed it. And like the Baptist say, help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Help me only go, say. Okay. All right, look at, let's look at how we're going to apply what we've learned here about Haman and, uh, and Esther and the contrasting uh, attitudes and characteristics they displayed. 
Though pride seems to be, uh, you're on page 112. Though pride seems to be a default in this broken world, humility is possible for believers. Choose one of the following suggestions. Okay, so what we're saying here is, by default, we're all susceptible to pride. Okay? All, all of us are. And like the verse the pastor said, there's a little bit of Haman in each of us. Alright, so there's a little bit of it. But notice, uh, choose one of the following suggestions. Reflect. Reflect on your, on your own tendencies towards selfishness, bitterness, or the desire to seek power at others' expense. Confess and give these sinful attitudes and actions to God. Trust Him and thank Him for His forgiveness. That's one. Secondly, review. Create a list of your own of your current obligations and priorities and evaluate how any of these might feed pride or self-centeredness. Properly consider withdrawing from or eliminating anything that nurtures pride or narcissism. And then the third one is reconcile. If pride in, in the past has caused a problem in a relationship or stirred up enmity toward another person, prayerfully consider moving toward reconciliation. Ask the Lord to help you forgive and or ask for forgiveness. Okay, so we get three things that we can do to flesh this out, to live it out. Reflect, review, or reconcile. You choose which one you need to do. We all have countless opportunities in a day to act rashly without considering others. Let's do the better thing, the Christ-like thing, and act with wisdom and humility, of course. Amen. Amen? Amen.